insert cheering sound effect here. Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design, even after 200 episodes. I'm Ben Slinger. With me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Yes, and thank you. And welcome to our lovely audience out there. Um, thank you. Okay, settle down, settle down. Okay. Keep it down, keep um, it down. So this is our first live studio performance. I don't know. Like, you it's said cheering badly. and it's like... Yeah, they're booing right now. Boo. Uh, as you can hear, they hate us. Uh, damn it, Trevor, now you're going to make me have to do Foley on the end. <laughs> you're the but one yes. who said insert cheering here. <laughs> This is our 200th episode. It's kind of crazy that we've been doing this for, you know, more than four years, really, because we did start at a fortnightly pace, interleaved with our other podcast, which quickly died a slow death. Wasn't It wasn't that slow. <laughs> no, pretty quickly we realized this is what we wanted to do. So tonight we are going to do some things a little bit different, but... Uh, and we'll bring those up as we get to them, I think. Really? I thought we'd we'd just blow our load at the start and just say, this is what we're doing tonight. But no, I think nah. okay, we'll, we'll drip em, feed it throughout the night. Yeah. So Make Ben has a, a idea that he would like to yeah. deep dive into. Sometimes so we, sometimes we do this. Throw it away, Ben. Sometimes we do this because as we are sort of hobbyist uh, game devs ourselves occasionally, we you know, don't usually finish much, but... We have our ideas that aren't just prompted by random prompts. But this one actually came from because we are considering participating in the seven day or seven D FPS game jam that's coming up in December, I believe, mm-hmm. where traditionally you had seven days to build an FPS, as it sounds like. I think they open it up to just, it's just, it's basically just a seven day jam now, but it probably does mostly focus on uh, first person shooter games. And so I was just trying to think of some interesting kind of mechanics around uh, first-person shooters. And what I came up with was a, basically a game where it is obviously a first-person shooter, but all the shooting, all the actual damage that you're doing to enemies is indirect. And it's essentially via one or more drones who will do the attacking for you. But where the challenge comes in is you have to keep them powered up. So you're like shooting, whether it's just literally like arcing batteries at them that they grab out of the air or something and shoot into themselves. Or if you've got some sort of electric arc gun that powers them up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sort of picturing that it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a plate spinning kind of deal. Uh, where you've got multiple drones on the go and, you know, maybe they can't hold a charge very long. So they, uh, they start to fall know, out of the air. They start to fall out of the air or, or just power down and, and they can no longer you know perform their functions. I, I, I do like the idea of these drones sort of like floating, you know, sort of 60 meters above the, above the, um, the sort of earth. And then you've yeah. got to um, somehow get, you know, an extension cable up to this one, and and then you got another one over uh, over to this one over here, and you got to make sure that you know you you got plenty of torque in there, and then you can also have the remote control needs to be powered up as well. Like it slows down, it depletes at a different rate, but yeah. you still 
Like, if you don't have the remote control going, then you obviously, you can't control how they're all going in the air. Okay, right? see, there's some interesting things I hadn't thought of. You could actually, I know you kind of said it as a bit of a joke, but actually having an extension cord to them with some, like, cable physics and stuff. Like, for one, that very much clearly indicates their maximum range. And mm-hmm. so, as you go along, you could, like, upgrade your power cord. Like, essentially, you get an extra extension cord and plug it in. Um, <laughs> or, I mean, that that lets you mix and match as well in that maybe you, you know, you've got, say, three different drones. Because I'm kind of thinking there's, like, a gunner drone, which is a standard kind of, you know, machine gun, sort of fast-paced gun. Yep. You know, rapid fire. A support drone. Some sort of support or healing drone, which can maybe heal you and or uh, repair the other drones. And then something else, whether it's like some sort of buffs and debuffs or something like, and may- maybe it depends on, again, how you sort of <laughs> I kind of like this. the idea that the the other one is just an Amazon drone. If you need new batteries, you send it off to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad idea either. Uh, there are a lot of things I feel you could do with this. It's like, get down to the local Tandy and pick me up some batteries. Okay. Tandy. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you pulled Tandy out. That's Find awesome. it. Radio Shack. <laughs> That's for our American listeners. Uh, no, but I... the same company. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot you could do. And so, on the moment-to-moment gameplay, there you could do it in a variety of different ways. Like, if you've just got sort of an electrical arc gun, it could just be, okay, it's got a certain range, so you've got to, like, go over, oh, you, you know, your gunner drone's running low, low, you've got to go and charge them up, and, you, you know, you have to basically hold it onto them. And so you may be having to dodge enemies at the same time, you know, they're charging at you, you've got to strafe out of the way and keep your, you know, keep your aim good to, to keep that thing charged up. Or I wonder if there's actually a bit of, like, resource scavenging to do as you're going through this world where you're having to like create these batteries out of resources you find in the world or something or create different things up upgrades and and power and i do i do like the idea of of you've got you know high tech stuff at the start and then as you go through and as things sort of break down by the end of the game you've got like a huge tesla coil running off the uh, running out of your backpack and it's like arcing electricity up to the up to the drone (laughs) i do like that actually that's cool it's in that yeah you're having to scavenge parts to like replace an upgrade and so yeah you're building this this low tech or, or at least like scavenged together, MacGyvered together stuff on top of <laughs> the like state of the art drone control system you stole from the government or whatever the story is. Yeah. Speaking of the story though, uh, one of the things I actually thought could be really cool, again, if this was to be turned into a, a full game, was that each of these, you could really have these drones have personality. Like, I think these drones have AI and voice lines and dialogue as you go mm-hmm. through this game to the point that, like, maybe you don't even meet anyone else. This is almost a, you're trying to get these things home or to, or back to your home or something. And maybe they're antagonistic to begin with, but they have to follow their programming. And over the course of the game, they in- to end up liking your character and you become friends with them. Or I don't know. Like, I just feel like <laughs> almost in a Portal 2 way with the, um, you know, you've got fucking Wheatley or whatever. And that th- there are these things that you have throughout the whole game that, yeah, just really have personality and are talking to you and uh, very distinct personalities. Could be really yes. cool. Yes. 
Um, and and I do like the idea of it not being instant that they have the personality. It's sort of like you tap into them as you... Maybe they're just basic uh, drones at the very start, but then when you break into the um into the government facility and you get the new remote control, that's where it sort of sends like a virus across to them and they and they actually or it's start like, talking to you. Yeah, it's like or even even as you upgrade them with your own like thrown together stuff, that that gives them more of a personality uh than than yeah, than 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 just the standard you know, government <laughs> drone. There's just something about, like, seeing this drone, you know, with his personality, but it's it's kind of like one of those sort of, I don't know, uh, the cool guy, so he's got, like, the glasses on, like, the, the shades and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically, you, you get to do some, like, customization through, yes. through adding different bits and pieces in. Definitely. And, I, I, I know, love if, the if, idea of, the, of having it be customised. Yeah. And, and you know, it modifies the personality just slightly. But then, you know, when one of the drone's blades breaks off and all you've got is, like, an aluminum can, so you sort of cut out a really dodgy <laughs> propeller and you just stick it on and it's like, it's got Pepsi on the top. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot you could do there and... Yeah, I, I love the idea of customizing them, whether that affects their stats or not, but but ha- essentially having hats and accessories for them. I love the idea of uh, you didn't get... Like, you, you've given the your gunner drone three extension cords so they can go really high up and get a good distance, but you didn't charge <laughs> them well enough. And so all of they're falling out of the sky and just screaming at you like, <laughs> fuck, man, you got to charge me. Oh, my God, I got to fall. <laughs> Like as it hits the ground, uh, and just like getting shitty at you when you haven't charged them well enough and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that would be really fucking fun. And yeah, I actually I hadn't thought of it previously, but the the resource. Oh no, the solar panel just got bird shit on it. It's not charging me up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to bring it up. <laughs> no, and I feel like gonna even the even the. Um, because I'm thinking now, okay, you've got them all plugged into this thing. And yes, I like the idea that maybe you have to keep the main unit charged as well. Well, because actually you, we're talking about extension cords, but if they're always on extension cords, then what, what are you? Sh- you're, not, you're not shooting things to charge them. But maybe you're, maybe you can let them off the extension cord and then you're having to like remote charge them. Or the other thing is like yeah maybe your sort of main unit i'm almost thinking cuz you and i and some friends have been playing a lot of deep rock galactic but the the mule in that that sort of follows you around that maybe the the unit they're all connected to is sort of like the mule where it can walk by itself but it, you know it has to stand still to put out its solar panels and get a charge or maybe like if you're underground or whatever there are like it has to fucking plug into the wall for a while <laughs> and so that'll often be an area where you really have to defend and make sure you're keeping all your drones charged or, or whatever else. I kind of like the idea of one of the drones, um, maybe the support drone, is kind of scared of combat. So he keeps on, like, you know, hiding behind stuff and not wanting to come out if there's any combat around. You know that if if there's, like, lots of damage on the gunner, then you need to be able to coax him out somehow. <laughs> 
I come on, I'll give you some more customization op- options. Just that's kind go, of fun. I like the idea of literally of of actually bringing into their like moment to moment AI their personalities as well, because mm-hmm. you could do some cool stuff where yeah, it, like always tries to find the spot that's out out of line of sight of combat or whatever uh, in, in the area. Um, but the problem is, he's also ba- um, his controllers based on IR. Uh, which means that he needs to be in line of sight. <laughs> Just to complicate things. You have to set up mirrors and stuff. And that's where ray tracing comes in. So now. Oh my God. <laughs> so I guess from a. Because I love the idea of all of that. From a moment to moment gameplay of what your like first person character is actually doing. What do, what do you reckon? I, I, I think some just resource gathering is fine, whether that's you know, in a No Man's Sky sort of way where it's just like, oh, scan things, like find bits and and you build it up over time. It's like, okay, I've got enough for an upgrade or, you know, maybe searching out aspect, like maybe you can see signs of things kind of like in Deep Rock Galactic where like, oh, there's, you know, a certain color of gems in this area. Then if I dig through there, there's probably going to be something valuable or whatever. Yeah. And depending depending on where we're actually basing this as well, like if it's based in like a mine or something like that that you're that you're sort of traversing through, then that's totally different to if if it's set in in like a a building and the drones are flying on the outside of the building and sort of going <laughs> up the floors with you as you go. <laughs> I was thinking more just uh, over sort of you know a general on land over you know across islands or something, and you've got a landmass that you're traveling. Kind of levels. like a Far Cry, yeah. Far Cry, where you got lots of lots of different little islands and and maybe some indoor indoorsy stuff that you have to go through, but then you're going through jungles and shit. Yeah, and I think the indoor stuff obviously gives a different challenge because your drones may have less room to to maneuver and move about. And uh, I'm wondering, do you think other drones completely autonomous, or are you? having some input into it's like oh shit we're being attacked by a swarm you know here's an area that the gunner should focus and um, make sure that the healer or whatever is doing his thing or do you reckon it's just all right as long as they've got enough power they're kind of doing their thing you know i'm i'm just running around like grabbing more resources because it's like oh shit there's a you know a vein of fucking electrolytes because that's the power that's the, the mineral that powers them mm-hmm. um, over there. Uh, and so I have to like run and get that to make sure I can recharge the thing. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you reckon? Um, yeah. I, I do like that idea. I'm kind of thinking of it almost like a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic where you've got the different, um, your drones are basically your companions you as you as a character can't do much other than do the scavenging sort of stuff, and but you can you can still sort of command your your team of attack here. You uh, this one repair repair this drone, and so you got a little bit of of, of control um, control, but you're you're more based around okay. We don't have enough parts for that drone to repair that drone, so therefore I'm going to find some. And I think to keep with the FPS stuff. Even though I like the cable thing, I think going back to the original thing of like, you still have to have some FPS skills to like hit them with the power arc or whatever to to power them up. I think they do still have a maximum radius that you can maybe upgrade, but that's more about like Wi-Fi signal. 
and you've got like because <laughs> I'm picturing you've sort of got a HUD that tells you like their battery power, maybe yeah, their signal strength or something. You could even have it that like if like and again maybe this is around the personality and how you upgrade them, but like the gunner will push right to the edge of their limits to the point that sometimes they might go out of range and and start falling out of the sky and just start falling out closer (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and so you have to watch that sort of thing because i'm also thinking then you could you could make the choice sometimes it's like oh shit there's this massive thing coming i need to give the gunner some time to do its attacks or whatever so you can actually zap it with your zapper gun and it's like a it's essentially a stun gun but you're using Mm -hmm. up some power that you otherwise could have like powered up your drone so i feel like that could create a cool balance of how do i use these resources yeah sort of i guess or maybe even like crafting grenades or something like stun grenades and different things that you could uh you could do yeah so uh, I, i don't know i think I think we've covered a lot of the bases. The only other thing I will bring up is it could be really cool in VR. Yes, as, as most things, but everything's better in VR. That's what we say. Okay, so now comes to the first of our new segments for tonight. I say new, but it's it's kind of a little bit new, little bit old. We're calling it Second Chance Click Pitch. So. What we're actually doing is we're going back to our very first episode of Bitstorm and we're going to take those prompts and we're going to try and come up with a different game design. The difference is we haven't actually checked what we originally designed. (laughs) Which is, no, I think that's good. I think it's good that we haven't checked. We're taking the same prompt. We don't necessarily remember what it was we came up with on four years ago approximately <laughs> wednesday 12th of october 2016 that is when it was released uh it was a better time pre-trump pre-trump presidency. just just pre-trump just <laughs> just Jeez, that, that's that's kind of scary like the the world that we were in at the time but anyway so but anyway our first our first one for the, for tonight is minimum distance. Minimum distance. Hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I mean, it, what's it, what's come to my mind is like minimum chips at at like the fish and chips store, okay, and minimum, it's it's like th- this is this is like a an Uber. Or taxi sort of thing, where it's the minimum distance that the um, the taxi driver will will go. Okay, yeah, well, I was <laughs> going to say it definitely brings to mind just like sort of circles of influence or circles of effect or something, right? So that's fine. Like minimum distance around traveling is an interesting thing. Is this around... Do, do you play the Uber driver and you're trying to, like, get fares that are going to be easy? <laughs> yes. But, but, but there's a minimum. If they're, if, there's too, if they're too close, you've got to get to the minimum distance. But you've also got to try and get give the customer the best for their money. So you've got to try and plot a route that you're going to actually get back to their place with as close to that minimum distance as possible. Is is this just a, a an Uber game essentially like a, a crazy task taxi esque thing, but it's less around getting somewhere in a time limit and more around 
being getting somewhere in the distance. super efficient <laughs> with your distance, and it, which means you have to you have to be aware enough of the space that, like, you look at your map. It's like okay, there are seven fares that I could take, and it's about mm-hmm. choosing the chain of those where it's like, well, this one's going to take me within you know X distance of this oh. next one. Oh, I've I've got a good idea. Okay, you know you know how much effective distance these people have got, and you're running on empty. So your fuel gauge, okay, is what's actually determining how many k's you've got left, and you've got to plot out to to get all these people back. <laughs> so and still, because um, you don't have the money to buy your to buy your next tank of fuel. So the idea is right. that you're so you have to make enough money. You make okay, enough money. I kind of like that because that's almost a checkpoint system there of like every time you go over the amount that you need for your next tank of, like tank of petrol, you get you can to pull like, into the you get to continue. But you have to take into account the distance from the end of your last fare to a petrol station, the gas station, <laughs> and they've all got different and the and the petrol costs different amounts at all. <laughs> Stations. So yeah, I think the game starts and you essentially uh on empty I don't think you've got an exact amount of kilometers. I think this no, is I, I think it's procedural. <laughs> well no, okay, yes, I think that maybe the levels are procedural, but I mean you don't all you have is the gauge sitting there on E and you have to <laughs> you have to learn over time how far below E you can go before you run out. Like you don't have a gauge that says you have you know, 57 kilometers that you can still travel. I, I do like the idea that when the light comes on, you know that in game terms, you've only got three kilometers left. Sort of thing. Yeah, I think you'd obviously have to create some consistency around that. But yes, it's, <laughs> it's much more. And look, that also gives you the opportunity as a game designer to fudge things a bit if you, yeah. if you need to. There's just something about, rather than being in like, like a third person or something like that, the games of old that I still remember is having so much fun in in a game like RC Pro-Am or something like that. And just driving a car from a top-down sort of view and pulling over, you can you know, you can zoom zoom out and see more of the map and still driving the car. and Right. Kind of a GTA 1 or 2 sort of view as yeah. well, like a top-down. Okay, that's interesting. I was almost thinking it could be fun from a first-person view because mm-hmm. then you've got the actual, like... You know, the fuel gauge right in your the eye. The fuel gauge right there. <laughs> you're looking on your, your GPS that's in its like little stand in the middle. Uh, it could even be good as a VR game. Um, yeah. Because then you're like looking you in look your revision um, mirror to see your, your, your fair, like your person in the back. And Even though it's in the past, according according to our users, in the future, on the 3rd of, 3rd of October, Star Wars Squad- Squadrons is coming out and it's going to be... Fully VR and all this sort of stuff. I can't wait. I'm sure I'm loving it. Future Future Trevor is absolutely loving it. Um, <laughs> just like the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games of old, um, everything's going to be sort of viewable in the cockpit. So yeah. all your heads-up display is actually controls in the in the cockpit. So yeah, I do I'm like pretty that sure idea. there's a word for that, and I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. Yeah, I, I do like that idea of a VR game having to be the Uber driver, but in this case, we're not, you know, trying to service our clients with, you know, food out of the glove box or anything like that. This is purely just a distance game. 
Yeah, essentially. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I, I guess where where the challenge comes in is you, you've got your GPS. So you can you can you can put in the shortest route between two points. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can do some different options to like <laughs> avoid you go traffic. through someone's backyard, and that's how you that's how you carve off a little bit of time. Yes, definitely. No, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, and I wonder if that brings in like, is there a negative it's a risk for that? versus reward? Yes. Um, like I, I like the idea that um, Uber can or whatever whatever the name of it in, in this in this particular game is, they can track, you know, the damage that you've done and that comes out of your pay packet. And so okay. when it comes out of your pay packet, I'm talking about, you know, it's it's like a percentage that comes out of, out yeah, of your yeah, fare yeah. and that sort of stuff. Maybe maybe it's in the far future. Well, or it could also just affect the rating that your passenger gives you. Yeah, and that affects how much money and that affects spend on you future things, or yeah, it may affect yes whether they tip you or different things like that. Yeah, um, but like if you're desperate and you're going to make nothing otherwise, then you might go. Especially ahead and do if it. you thought that there was um there was a way through here, but there's now road work. You know, you can go through this person's backyard and I or think there's a risk. front yards, yeah, and and get around it and. You know, you well, go sidewalk surfing and <laughs> That's the other thing I was thinking is it could be that like you've got a couple of routes you could take, one's got heavier traffic, but if you're feeling good enough about swerving through the traffic, then like it's a shorter route but heavier traffic, maybe you'll get there. Uh whereas otherwise you can take sort of the easier route but it's a bit longer, so you risk using up more gap more more. I do fuel. like the idea of if you cut every corner as you go on the fastest route, that's literally the minimum distance because you're you're carving off, you know, and and you're not going those extra couple of meters to, to turn the corner. Therefore, there's you're a, not spending as much gas. <laughs> there's an achievement. There's definitely an achievement for like finishing a section or whatever you know, between underneath, gas, between underneath what fill ups. What yeah, was the um, designated minimum. Exactly. Yeah, you'd you'd figure out what the essentially what the. <laughs> what the minimum could be uh that's cool i like that that's another one that i could see trying to build in vr as a fun yep. little you know pull over you, your passenger gets in the back you get an updated gps and then it's just like all right get there without running out of fuel and i know maybe maybe you can actually get to the top of a hill turn off the engine and just coast down <laughs> <laughs> yes no, I like that. Bringing in those sort of aspects. I mean, yeah, whether it's turning off the engine or just like not accelerating and just like coasting down hills and stuff. Yeah. That's cool because then you've got other options. It's like, oh, I could go this way, which is a bit long, like, you know, a, a bit shorter. Or I could go this way where if I get up to the top of the hill, I can literally coast all the way down to my destination uh, and I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I love it. Cool. That's awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure that that is not the game that we came up with in the first. I don't first think. Episode, I think it so. was maybe car based, but it I wasn't this. It wasn't this. Go so back well and listen. Done us. Go, Go back listen and to listen the to the first episode. It's got some, you know, pretty terrible audio quality, but I feel like the games probably still hold up. I don't know. Well, I'll need maybe. to listen. Maybe, maybe they suck, and then I, I apologize. 
Um, the audio quality isn't actually that bad. Like, it was horrible no. at the start of Two Sweary Dads, but we did... I That's was true. running That's an SM58 true. by now. And That's true. By the time we got here, it wasn't too bad. Comparatively, yeah. it's still not quite as good. But I yes. mean, you can easily see the difference, uh, difference. Listen to episode one and then listen to episode 1.5 and you'll actually hear the difference to how we, how we originally started our podcast versus where we got to by the start of this one. That's true. All um, right. So, this is our third segment for tonight. Third segment. We're doing some different stuff. It's episode 200. We feel like we can, you know... We're trying. Mess, We're trying mess around a bit. tonight. This isn't an entirely new one. This is actually coming off of something that we did in the first episode, which we was did. movie tying. Exactly, exactly. So, what we're going to be doing is we're getting... Uh, what we've done in the past is just chosen movies, but... Trevor, as part of his Discord bot, has whipped up a little random movie uh, selector, I guess, pulling from the movie DB. And uh, what we're going to do, I think, is one of us will get a movie and we'll either... So, depending on the movie, we'll see how deep we go. uh, If we can actually... If it's a movie we know or if the plot makes sense for a game tie-in, then we'll do a full sort of game tie-in. Otherwise, we may just go sort of use the title as a prompt... Um, or yeah. we're also getting the poster art coming back, so maybe we'll just use the art as a prompt. But let's see how we go. Uh, are you going or shall I? We both go. We both go. Are we going to choose the best one? Or are we going to do I it reckon both? so. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I got Saw 2. And I got Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, I feel like Saw The Saw series lends itself to video games more It does So let's go with Saw It doesn't have to be the second one It doesn't have to Um, be Saw 2 I don't know enough about the fucking 11 Saw movies Or whatever there are anyway To to be able to differentiate But the general idea of Ridiculous traps Essentially Mm -hmm. put in place by Jigsaw um, I, I don't know, but so- something in my head just sort of crossed the idea of Saw with the movie Rubber. Now, if you remember the movie Rubber, it was about a tire named Robert um, who who became a psycho killer and was sort yes. of going around everywhere. I'm kind of liking the idea that this is a continuation of the, of the um, game Saw, and in the game Saw, I'm just coming up with just a, a yes. random video game oh. in which... A um, a saw blade actually came to life, and was going around killing people throughout the thing. So throughout the game. Okay. So you're and saying we're not doing it? T- we're not doing a tie into the saw. Yeah, movies. we don't. We don't need to do a tie into the saw franchise because we know where that's going. It's torture porn. Let's go with a um, sure. anthropomorphic just, just saw from blade. the title. So just from the title, Saw Two sequel to. The critically acclaimed, but, uh, you know, but uh, commercially heavily flawed game, <laughs> heavily flawed, commercially, you know, bombed game saw, which was about an anthropomorphic wood saw. saw? Yeah. Like, I'm, th- I'm thinking circular saw. Yeah. Oh, circular saw. Okay. Yeah. But just the blade. So it's just the saw blade. Oh, okay. not, the, not the circular saw itself. <laughs> okay. I do like the idea, though, of kind of (laughs) 
can you find like a battery powered circular saw, insert yourself into, you know, and then use that essentially as a vehicle where now it's powering you to go really quickly? I do kind of like that, but I also like the idea that that our that our um our saw blade is looking for love, looking right? For looking for their partner. Look, okay. that, that is part- their partner could be a circular saw. It could be a circular saw, or it could be um, a giant killing platform that is used in one of the saw movies to yeah. put someone on a conveyor belt and slowly move them towards it while tied up. Uh, okay, so you're a saw blade. Let's, <laughs> to move away from Robert, let's make this a female saw blade. <laughs> Sally the saw blade. <laughs> Sally the saw blade. And yep. she's escaped from the sawmill? Yeah. In yeah, the first I, game, I, presumably. In the first game. In the first game. Yeah. And right. oh, to, so at the, at the end of the first game, she was, was left in say, a yep. barn um, to rust. Basically, okay, let, give me a synopsis of sort of the plot of the first game. She escapes from the sawmill. She escapes from the sawmill. She um, she escapes her captors. It's kind of like a limbo-esque sort of game, but with a lot of blood. Um, yeah. So it's basically her rolling, and mm-hmm. as she's rolling down hills and stuff, she she manages to, to like cut Slice some of her enemies things. in half. Yeah. But also, you know, she's. She's just trying to trying to get away. She can launch herself out every now and again, and and sort of uh, stick into into wood to like climb up, um, climb up okay. barns and all this sort of stuff. And I'm sort of picturing this as a cross between Goat Simulator, yep, Rock of Ages, where you're kind of rolling yourself down the hill. So like, it's a lot of finding hills to go down, yep. and like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> 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 like I just love the idea of Sonic the Hedgehog like powering himself up, <laughs> zooming forward, and then just like splattering blood everywhere as he like <laughs> just bisects. Oh my god, my arm! Green Hill Zone, and then you then you finish it. You finish like, it as like zone. Red Hills. <laughs> And Tails is now just known as Tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, got a bit too off. close. Yeah, okay, I I love it. This is this is just a, a pure platforming game. It's just like Sonic the Hedgehog, except it's with lots of blood. I kind of like the idea of it being more like the, one of the three D Sonics because I, I like the idea of some some nice procedural limb removals and. So that you're sort of you're behind Sally. Oh, that's as, that's as so she the rolls, battles, isn't it? Like as she rolls you're going, down the hill, you're going for the arteries and and all this sort of stuff on the farmer. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. You're having to like hit the weak spots for sure, <laughs> and, and in a fleshy body. I mean, there's so many weak spots. There's so many weak spots when it comes to uh, a saw blade attacking a fleshy human body. <laughs> oh, but late, later, later, enemies have like you know medieval armor and stuff, but. You know that there's there's like those those spots underneath the armpit and all that sort of stuff that you can yeah then you ha- then it's a f- in there yeah then it's a very like wait for your spot they say you know go to do an overhead swing it's like okay zoom in there ooh I'm just imagining blunting yourself on on metal because obviously you're you're made for cutting through wood and that sort of stuff uh, yeah and so you hit the metal and and like 
you're having to then find yourself a grindstone to actually sharpen yourself yes, back up. Yes, I was going to say there's definitely a mechanic around how sharp you are. Uh, um, and I wonder if there are, do you think there are ways to, to sharpen yourself on the way though? Like, can you like take a corner on an asphalt road and that'll like oh, sharpen your side if you've really. Like, um, concrete, um, limestone. Um, yeah, just all those limestone roads that are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. Uh, um, oh, I'm I'm thinking. You know, it, it's it's when it's when you're going through the mine that you you know you can sort of jump up onto the side. You like grind the mine level would be interesting because the mine carts will not hold you very well, especially if you start spinning. Uh, you know, doing the sonic. Well, I'm not spin, sure you can stop whole- spinning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about if you're in a mine cart, then you kind of. You know, you can be sort of still, but if you start up a, you know, a Sally spin, you know, you're going to, you're going to start cutting through the bottom of the I don't know. Cut. I kind of like the idea that you're always, you're always, like anything wood, you just will cut through at any point. And so you get to that <laughs> mine level and it's like, oh yeah, great. A minecart level. You like bounce yourself into the minecart and just bisect it. You just cut it in two. And it's like, oh <laughs> fuck, that's not going to work. And then the rest of it is like, you actually have to like lodge yourself in the train tracks and like- Zoom down rails. <laughs> yeah, but you got to be very careful because all those uh, wood trusses and all that sort of stuff that, you know, hold the mine together, you cut through the wrong one of those and you've, you've got to be Yeah, but that'd be know. awesome for set pieces. Like, I'm picturing a level going through a mine where it's like, okay, well, the only way here is to grind this minecart rail, but there's a truss. Yeah, like, there's a truss that's close and the whole mine has to collapse behind you because you just chop down oh. the wooden truss. Like- that's cool. There's just, I'd love to see a a three D platform in which you play, you know, a very kindly saw blade. Oh, she doesn't mean to hurt anyone. No, it's just, it's just her nature, and you know, it's. She didn't mean to bisect that deer, um, long ways. <laughs> I don't think you know what's interesting is I don't think we've ever used the word bisect on this show, and I think we've just used it two or three times. It's great. I'm not complaining. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I like that a lot. I think that's... I love the idea that you're just sort of getting this monologue as you go. Like, she's talking. As she, like, kills people, she's like, Oh, sorry! Uh, oh, get out of my way! I'm a saw blade! <laughs> but she's thinking it. She doesn't have any way of... Like, vocalizing Saying it. these things, vocalizing these things. And, and people are running away from her. And all she's trying to do is find her love. Yeah. And, and her love happens to be, like, the first ever log that she bisected. <laughs> Wait, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess that's a star-crossed lover situation where a saw blade loves a log. Mm-hmm. So that, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah, uh, Liam, <laughs> Liam the log. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm I'm not gonna yuck anyone's yums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If a saw blade wants to fuck a log, fine. Okay, three, two, one, click. <laughs> or whatever we're doing. What are we doing next? Um, should we go? Should we go back to our next? Click pitch. Well, second chance click pitch. Second chance click pitch. Uh, yeah, we can we can do that. Do we want to do the same episode? Same episode. All right. Elevator killing. Elevator killing. Yep. 
And then we did get a second word because we couldn't think of anything good with elevator killing, but we won't go with that yet because no, I think we can actually I think come up with something. For now. elevator killing, how did we not come up with anything for elevator killing? It was I our first don't episode, know. I guess. But um, I've I've got this idea of it's basically Hitman, but all the kills have to occur in an elevator. <laughs> now, how? How many different kills can you have in an elevator? You can cut the cable from above. You can get in there as, as like, um, you know, as, like, a delivery guy and then inject someone with poison. You can... Basically, every kill has to occur in an elevator because that's what the client wants. I feel like that's very similar either to another game we did or to the game we ended up coming up with. It sounds okay. very familiar. My idea that... My thought was, is this kind of like Spy Party... <laughs> <laughs> but it's all in elevators. Now, I don't know if... like, So, for those who don't know, Spy Party is a game where one person is a spy in a party. They've got a bunch of missions to do. The other person is a sniper. They've got a view where they can kind of go all the way around the party. Uh, but the levels are designed in such a way that there are places that... Um, you know, the, the, you can't always see everyone at once. And, and there are a bunch of other NPCs in the party. Uh, and the spy has to kind of blend in with them. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder if this is a situation where you're mo- sort of monitoring an elevator. And maybe you've got... Maybe you're like a security guard or something. And you can switch between views on each floor and one inside the elevator, perhaps. And so, you're having yep. to do sort of analysis around like who's getting out on what floor... And, and maybe, and then maybe someone dies. Someone dies, and it's like, okay, from what I've known, so it could even be that you're going back through security tapes or something. You're essentially trying to figure out who had the opportunity to perform this killing. Like it could be a delayed thing. It was like they injected them with a poison, and so you find out, okay, like. It could have. It must have happened within five minutes of the death, right? And so it's like, okay, the death was at this time. So I got to go back, ooh, figure ooh. out who was in the elevator with who. This I, sort of thing. I do like the idea of going with your with your idea about the video cameras and that sort of stuff. Yeah, the video camera inside this elevator is busted. So the um. The only, the only thing that you've got is basically all the other video cameras that sort of uh, are on, showing all the hallways, and on each floor you have a um, a camera that can see into the elevator when it opens. Yep. On uh, basically, a dead body is being found inside the elevator, and you now have to actually go and go and sort of trace back who who. Got, where did this where did this lady get on you know on what floor and you know can you can you work out who who actually killed this person okay yeah I like that I like that you can't see inside the elevator because yes sort of essentially start either, oh, either look, s- this, this person ki- killed them and they were they got in there through this floor <laughs> like, I saw it on the camera well I guess <laughs> it comes down because I mean however you do it it can't be a direct killing like it can't be someone slit their throat because one either they're the only two people in the elevator and one person gets out or two there are other people in there who saw them so I think it and does I'm, have to be some I'm not sure sort of whether delayed. you need necessarily the multiplayer aspect of it it could be a 
this could be a fun like murder mystery single player game. I was actually thinking it it made more sense to be single player. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is you have to play someone who rides up and down in the elevator waiting to kill someone while the other person watches. No, I think this is a level starts whether it starts at the death and then you're going back through like you've essentially generated the the different comings and goings on the elevator or you you know you know you watch for a while and then you can scrub back and forth. Uh, I kind of like the idea that you've also got like a log of sensors that, you know, you can see that um, a sensor was triggered in, in the events at at this time. And when you match it up with the times, it's like, yeah. oh no, that, that wouldn't make sense because, you know, the the so, elevator was on this floor at this stage and never went down to that floor. And Yeah, I wonder if you could do... I'm, I'm, I'm picturing some sort of interface where you can kind of link different events... So you've yeah. got the footage and then you've got maybe like, you know, such and such as key card was swiped on, you know, floor on five. Or penthouse. And- <laughs> yeah. And so you might be able to see, oh, well, I know that that person wasn't there at that time because I've got them on camera in the elevator. So now follow that person, find where someone could have stolen their key card. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then you're sort of you're narrowing down the suspects in that way to see, yeah, who it could have been. So it doesn't but even for some reason necessarily have to I'm be sort of thinking, but- Why hasn't this sort of idea been done before? Like, I really want to, you know, play with these security cameras and try to try to you know trace back, even if it's a you know an adventure game sort of thing where there's there's literally it's just it's one solution scripted there's one yeah. solution it's you know it's a cheap sort of experience in which you just I think of- that could be a really cool single play experience for sure because then you've got the opportunity to flesh out characters a bit and, and have some dialogue and, and stuff yeah Cra- craft a story around you know just because this seems to be the way it goes you know it doesn't actually mean that this is the the person who you thought actually died could turn out to be, oh, this is this is not Mrs. Phelps. This is actually, you know, one of the um, one of the waitresses from downstairs in disguise as Mrs. Phelps and Mrs. Phelps. <laughs> right. Actually, yeah, you essentially um, end up like uncovering a whole conspiracy of of crime that's been happening in your hotel or whatever or apartment yeah. building uh, that that you are the security guard for. Uh, oh, because I like that idea. Then, if it's if it is sort of a more scripted narrative thing, that at certain points, like, what or once you've solved a certain puzzle, it's like, well, someone comes with some more evidence, and it's like a recording from their, you know, doorbell, you know, their video doorbell or something, uh, and and so you're essentially then just you've got more evidence of where people were at certain times, and maybe that provides an alibi for someone or something. That's cool. Yeah, I, I feel like you could really do. I feel like I say this for every game. You'd really do some cool stuff with that. <laughs> that you could. No, that's awesome. I feel like with this is one of those nights where like every game we come up with is like, oh, I could make that. Like that'd be that'd be easy. You know, this here's how we do it. Okay, so let's go. Let's go for another movie. Let's go for another movie. Hit that button. <laughs> American Gigolo. A Nice Girl Like You. Don't know that one. No. not I don't know American Gigolo either, but I have heard no, of it. No, neither do I. Okay, you go through your synopsis. Julian 
makes a lucrative mm-hmm. living as an escort to older women in the Los Angeles area. He begins a relationship with Michelle, a local politician's wife, without expecting any pay. One of his clients is murdered, and Detective Sunday begins pumping him for details. That's an interesting use of word. On his different clients, something he's reluctant to do, considering the nature of his work. Julian begins to suspect he's being framed. Meanwhile, Michelle begins to fall in love with him. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Lucy Neal is thrown for a loop when she is accused of being too inhibited by her ex boyfriend. In an effort to prove him wrong, Lucy creates a rather wild to-do list that sends her on a whirlwind and surprising journey of self-discovery, friendship, and new love. Okay. I mean, those both have some sort of narrative potential. Yeah. Um, I kind of, because we've just done a murder mystery, I'm kind of sort of going over to the a nice girl like you Mm -hmm. side, because... How many adventure games can you think that have a female protagonist that have nothing to do with, like, basically you can start it out as, as like, a, she's just broken up with this, this guy bag. and then this douchebag, but then the whole adventure that she goes on is basically not to do with love and is all to do with her, yeah. um, her so own you, sort of self-improvement. It as, it's all self-improvement. It's all... You know, she learns new things about herself and then you forget about the new love or the new love could actually be cooking or it could be, you know, traveling or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, a bit of a kind of eat, pray, lovey situation, but yeah. less kind of pretentious. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. All right. So it definitely lends itself to what is you know, one of our go-to genres of just a point-and-click adventure kind of Fuck yeah. narrative sort of thing. So is this sort of just, a, I guess, a bit of a character study of this of this woman who is trying to find herself? Like, are we doing... Is this a wacky Monkey Island-style puzzle game in the end, or are we going a bit more serious um, with it? I kind of like the idea of, of juxtaposing the um, the seriousness with the wackiness of, of like, a, a Monkey Island-esque adventure. Right. So, it's still like, kind of that classic adventure game puzzle yeah. sort of system. Um, so, this woman who is, you know, just trying to improve herself as a person has uh, an unlimited inventory that she somehow fits yep. <laughs> on, on her person and, uh, you know, has the ability to kind of combine items into useful things to solve problems. Okay. What's her name? So... Oh, it is, it's Lucy Neal, but we can, we can... Oh, yeah. Lucy Neal. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's fine. Lucy. Let's go with Lucy. Lucy is a, is a nice name. It's, it's, yeah, it's... It's fine. Um, okay, and, and Lucy finds herself sort of in a emotional crisis, essentially, where during a breakup, her ex boyfriend essentially Douchebag. says, "Yeah, essentially says that she's not good enough." As um, a person, I, that we she's keep boring on going back to or, J names, so I'm trying to think of a douchebaggy J name. Um, uh, Josh. Josh, yes. Sorry to any non-douche Joshes out there, but <laughs> your parents gave you a douche name. 
Yeah, fuck Josh. Fucking Josh. Um, Josh. Yeah, so... <laughs> My my mind keeps on going to on this on this series of discoveries. She actually finds out some horrible things about about Josh in the fact that he was actually part of like a Satan worshiping cult and like trying to sacrifice it to the devil and and all this sort of stuff. Like I uh, I don't know that we need to like super villainize him that much. I think him just being a douchebag is enough. But I do like the idea of finding out that he's even douchier than you thought. Maybe you maybe you contact like maybe you come into contact with some of his other exes and get a bit of history. Oh there. no, we really demonize him. He's a flat earther. That's fine. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's worse than the Satan worshipping cult. Like you wish that it was a Satan worshipping cult. At least then there's some conviction behind it and you know he's done some research or something. No, he's just dense. <laughs> and her surprise the journey earth. of self-discovery is finding out that the earth is actually round. <laughs> her, well, she starts out as a flat earther. No, I think I think she she goes forth, meets interesting and wacky characters. I think maybe she like heads straight to the airport and just buys the first ticket. And yep. ends up somewhere interesting, you know. Um, ends up in in like Tahiti or something like that, some sort of island nation. Because I think island is good. I think island is good because then you can kind of limit the the movement to just that that chain of islands. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I like that. Ends up on a on a an island that's. Does it become a Joe versus the volcano sort of thing, where? You know, she's like pegged as as like the potential sacrifice. <laughs> uh, the only reason I don't want to go that is I feel like there's some problematic stuff around like indigenous peoples of those islands. Yeah, true. Um, no, I think she. I think maybe this is a situation where it's it's a resort island, but it's like a failed resort. Like it's a struggling resort island. It's run down. <laughs> It's like, run down. There's there are oh, people still I, I, working I love there. That, I love that that view of she she's looking at the brochure and then she pulls it down and it's just a run down version of the picture on the brochure. Yeah, totally. That's always a nice nice little uh, transition. And yeah, I think then you're you're exploring this place. You're sort of I don't know. Maybe one of the things is she wanted to. I'm I'm getting a so. <laughs> The vibes I'm getting here are a cross between forgetting Sarah Marshall, because mm-hmm. I was going to go that she, like, wants to surf, and fucking Lady Suit Larry 7. Was it 7? No, 6. <laughs> yeah. 6, I think. The one where he's on, like- Shape up or slip out. Slip out. No, no. I was thinking the other one where he's on, like, an- he is at some sort of hotel. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. It was Shape si- up or slip out. No. Wait wait wait, 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 wait. Love for sale is number 6. Oh, love for sale. Yeah, okay. Yes. Number 6. <laughs> he's at, he's at like a fitness club that has um, fitness club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I just I just love how bad like the um the fitness and all that sort of stuff is. Like all the equipment's breaking down and all this sort of stuff. But she she finds her, her way and and um you know she she sort of learns new things about herself. Like she she doesn't need a man in her life, sort of thing. Yeah, I think she goes through some. Difficult experiences, some life-changing mm-hmm. events. You know, maybe there's a scene where you have to, like, get away from a shark 
when you're trying to learn to surf. Land uh, shark. <laughs> there's a it, yes, it follows you onto the land. That's part of the puzzle. <laughs> Maybe she has. I, I like actually. I kind of like the idea of some sort of blossoming relationship that just goes, or she realizes she doesn't need, or she, that she doesn't need it. Essentially, like that she. Like maybe it it has, it starts off it starts off romantic, but she very quickly sees red flags that remind her of her past relationships, and but she cuts it off. Like she mm-hmm. is has sort of learned enough to know, like no, this is toxic, and that she doesn't need to be like to have romantic stuff on this island. She can just, yeah. I don't want to go too deep into the whole like, you know, empowering women finding themselves uh, tropes but you know obviously there's there's some interesting stuff there and women should be empowered well well maybe the self-discovery is that she on this island she finds a clone of herself she finds a clone of herself and and, falls in and love. it turns in, it turns well it turns into you know that that movie with you and mcgregor the island it turns out that oh that the whole time she was just being bred for organs well the clone on the island was she she's oh she's right one of these um <laughs> she's like oh that's what that gift card was for for my 18th birthday i forgot about that <laughs> clones are us jeez that was a fucked up movie um all right uh i think we're gonna do a little bit extra tonight we're kind of at the time we usually finish up but let's jump back let's do the last let's jump back to episode one Let's do the last second chance click pitch of that episode. Which and we was? have future trapping. Ooh. So, um, I like time travel and I want to definitely go to time travel. Okay. That's not where I was going, but all right, let's, let's each kind of see, pitch our first instincts. Okay. So my first instinct is kind of jumping off of something that we talked about last week, which was... Mm-hmm. Or not last week, but the week before. Whatever whatever it was. It may have been a couple of weeks ago. It was Recently. <laughs> Recently. Recently. Um, where we were talking about having to go back in time and, and like, hide things, and then it was, it was there. Very Bill Given, and Ted. Yes. Very Bill and Ted's, yeah. Um, I like the idea that when you find out where something's going to be you can go back in time and set a trap. Like, okay. It, it's sort of like a, um, not necessarily an animal trapping sort of thing, but maybe it's a, a Hitman-esque game, but it's it's got that time travel thing in which you can set up elaborate traps. I do like the idea of a Hitman game where you've got some aspect of time travel, mostly because when I play Hitman, I... I'm usually so overwhelmed by all the different events and things that are happening. Like, I don't actually have the strategic brain. And maybe I wouldn't for this game either. But I don't actually have the strategic brain to go, okay, well, if I do this and then do that, they're going to be here at this time. So, having some sort of, like, even just a rewind ability or something or some a sort of time. slash, um, you know, you can pause them, move into into position, set yeah. a trap just above the door that they're about to go through. <laughs> exactly. So you've got a bit more flexibility there where, yes, you still have to be aware of like where they're going to be and you still have to like make sure that people don't see you and stuff, but you've got this limited time use of, okay, but 
I'm going to just freeze time for 20 seconds and get through this room that otherwise would be really difficult because it's full of guards and get my way up to just to, to wait in his, you know, living chambers or whatever. I know. I, I kind of like the idea that you've got like a five minute, a five minute switch in which you can go back to, you can either pause or you can go back five minutes. And when you go back those five minutes, you've got now five minutes. You know, in five minutes, this guy's going to be coming through this door because you've yeah. just seen it happen. So therefore you, you've got five minutes to set up the trap. You know, yeah. you may have to go source um, source the, bit, the, the bits and pieces, but you at least know in five minutes, as long as you don't change the future by um, talking to the guy. <laughs> or like you know killing the wrong going, person. You know, or killing yeah. the wrong person at the wrong time or causing a commotion in the wrong way. But then you can also have something that, you know, you may have taken something that he actually used in the past five minutes and therefore it changes, you know, he's now spending three minutes looking for this item. That you've stolen. <laughs> yeah, I, that could get very complicated very quickly. I do like the general idea, and I feel like that would be an interesting twist on the Hitman formula. Yeah. Okay, you said that you had something off. off yeah. So on. look, my my first instinct was to go down a kind of a. Did you ever play Viva Pinata? I s- saw it on the Xbox 360. I never actually. So the idea behind Viva Piñata was you were creating a garden, but different kinds of like flowers and, and, and things in your garden would attract these different creatures. So there's sort of a Pokemon aspect of like, got to catch them all. You got to know these different types of creatures and they breed and stuff, but then certain types of creatures would attract other types of creatures. So you were really building up this garden in a way that would attract more creatures and different types of creatures into your into your mm-hmm. garden. So when I heard future trapping, I went kind of to this mode of like, okay, this is a future world. Maybe you're on a different planet. Maybe you're even, I think essentially you're like a poacher slash farmer on a colonized planet and you are exploring this world and finding out about all the different types of creatures that are on it and essentially how to trap them. And then- you bring them back to your farm and you're keeping them there. And so you get this, I'm thinking you sort of get this gameplay loop of like, okay, well, the first things are like these larvae that grow on the trees Mm -hmm. and they're easy. You literally just go up and grab them. But then you find out that like, oh, but these like pterodactyl like bird creatures, I can use these as bait. And if I build, you know, a fucking, you know, lasso trap or whatever, then I'll be able to capture them. And then they lay a certain type of egg, which hatches into, <laughs> or, or whatever, or like I can use the resources from that egg or like this snake type creature will try to eat those eggs. And so if I put that in like a snare trap or a box trap or something, then I'll be able to capture those. And so it's sort of building up your whole, for one, your knowledge of all of the uh, fauna, I guess, of this world. At, at the same time as farming them and, and keeping, you know, you, you need three of those pterodactyl-like birds to keep yourself in eggs because they have a variety of uses or whatever. And, and then and then you need to use one of them as a can opener and they say, it's a living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The birds, yes. You start using the birds for like <laughs> dishwashing and stuff. Uh, 
I, I just like like the idea that basically you you remember something about like the Flintstones and how they used all the animals to like be all the all their instruments. So therefore, you're also going to be doing the same thing. <laughs> I that's a, I, I'm fine with that. You can, you can you can automation with essentially with yes, like automate your farm based on these different creatures that you've managed to capture and train. <laughs> That's fine. I like that. You've got like, you know, the big kind of elephant-ish creature with a long tail and you start just like training it to go up and down your fields to to lay your seed lines or whatever to fucking plow it. Uh, <laughs> but you have to capture you have to capture them first. You got to build your way up to that. So, um with the bigger enemies, is there like monster hunter-esque um expeditions that you got to go out on that you that you like I think so. These I I think what you want to end up with is uh, essentially that scene from Jurassic Park: The Lost World, where they're like driving all the jeeps and herding the creatures, and like they've got the long fucking uh, you know lassos on sticks <laughs> and the cattle prods and uh, and and guns and stuff. And so yeah, but you still you need to know that like okay, well I'm only going to be able to capture you know that fucking tur- uh, you know f- fast turtle creature that I found. <laughs> Compared to the slow hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which isn't actually anything like a rabbit. It's just covered in really long hair. It's like kind of like yeah. uh, Cousin It. Um, yeah, and it's, it's really, really slow. But it's really slow. But you, the pro- the thing is like its hairs are uh, venomous. So you have to have gloves made from the skin of... <laughs> of the fast turtle. Or something, or of, of its predator, essentially. Uh, well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the fast turtle is the predator of the of the slow hare. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The only way to catch a fast turtle is to get on a jeep with yeah a hook and <laughs> and essentially like grab it around <laughs> its neck. Uh, Co- wrestle covered it, covered in in like the skin of the medium speed tortoise because as we know the tortoise is the is the enemy of the turtle. Yeah, and then the turtle is just uh, just hates everyone. Is is just a character from D and D, and he he actually talks and 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 then the Colin squ- Kevin, and we pushed him over. And then um, the squirtle. So anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you want to do one more movie, or do you? Yeah, let's show? do one more movie. Let's do right. one more movie. Episode 200, extra long, extra segments, my movie, the original, Halloween. My movie, the somewhat animated Titan AE. Okay, I actually haven't seen, I don't know if I've seen any of the Halloween movies. Really? Uh, Yeah. They... No, you know what? I've seen Halloween H2O. It was one of the early DVDs. I ha- Actually, I think it came with my DVD player. No, yeah, probably. Okay. So, Halloween, Michael Myers, killing yeah. people. Yeah. We know what that's all about. Titan AE. A young man finds out that he holds the key to restoring hope and ensuring survival for the human race, while an alien species called the Dredge are bent on mankind's destruction. I think... Th- Titan AE has a lot of a lot of potential for I, uh, a VR I rem- space adventure. 
Definitely, definitely. I, I remember when this came out. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Neither do I. It's, um, uh, it's got a huge cast. Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, yeah. <laughs> John Leguizamo, Nathan Lane, Jenny Garofalo, Drew Barrymore, Ron Perlin. Yeah, it's like huge cast. Um, all right. So, let's just go based on the synopsis, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're obviously um, not going to go deep. So, this is, this is an, basically it's an alien invasion, an alien attack movie. Yeah. Um, I see this as as basically this character has been on the run for a while. So, um, it's almost an unreliable narrator, narrator sort, of, sort of idea. He's mm-hmm. been on the run for a while- he and his baby sister. Okay. That's cool. I'm, I'm liking and the idea of a VR adventure, like you said, with a, like essentially a, a, companion, a companion character, yep. baby sister. What age are you thinking of baby sister? Like eight or like a baby or baby. 12. No, I'm thinking oh, yeah, okay. like eight, younger eight to 12, you know, sort of preteen. Yep. yep. Um, you're, you're barely a teenager yourself, you know, yeah. I'm thinking your character sort of like 15, 16. Yeah. Um, being thrust like thrust into parent parenthood sort of thing and is looking after the baby sister. The um, key to restoring hope and ensuring survival for the human race is the fact that your your sister has these powers, basically, that she can... she can. I'm thinking she can almost terraform a, a planet, but well, yeah, she can I'm, spark life. I'm wondering uh, if she, is she... Well, I, and I, I'm... Ignoring I don't even think it's most... like that, but I'm... No, I'm... okay, that's fine. I'm I'm ignoring the actual movie plot right now. Is this more if she's, like, some sort of tech genius? Like, is she... Ooh, is, is she basically Shuri from Black Panther? That's kind of where I was going, yeah. Ooh, that's kind of where yeah, my mind like is going. So, the key to restoring hope is the fact that she's, she's a, like, a technological genius. Yes. Yeah, but I love that. I, I she's do developed, like, like a, a, um, a terraforming... Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. you're it's like a, you're looking it's a, for a colony that you can. It's a terraforming terraform. virus. I feel like it's like some sort of self-replicating biological thing that will, yeah, essentially go through and terraform a planet. Okay, the reason why the dredger are actually going after this boy and girl is because they unwittingly have tried using this this terraforming virus before. On the Dredger's homeworld. Ooh. And basically- But it wasn't now, ready. But, oh, no, it was ready. It was just that the Dredge were living underneath the, in caves underneath the surface. And ha- most of them got wiped out. And oh, sorry. You, the, the siblings used it before? The siblings used it oh. on the Dredge. And that's why the Dredge are now after them. Because basically they're, they're looking for vengeance on the fact that they accidentally wiped out all of, all of the Dredge. So- <laughs> <laughs> so our fucking protagonists are, are actually the albeit are albeit accidental, yeah, like genocidal, yeah, <laughs> caused accidental genocide. Okay, that's that's dark. It's dark. Yes, that's <laughs> cool. I like it. So I, I did read something there in the synopsis that. So, well, I think in the synopsis the dredge had destroyed Earth and. Humans have become these like nomad, nomad race that were ridiculed yep. by all other creatures. 
I like the idea of them being the nomad race and then Earth was destroyed. Whether or not it was the dredge that did that, I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I feel like not, not. I feel like something else. Maybe it's even, maybe we even take it a bit more modern times. It's like Earth was so contaminated by climate change, like it became uninhabitable. And so humans have found their way off and, and, and colonized space, but they, they're kind of ridiculed because like, they're considered filth. They fucked up their own planet. They, you know what? They're um, refugees. Which Earth was one of the one of the weirdest places on in the universe because it's the only place in which um, carbon based life forms actually grew. And okay. nothing nothing else uses the the poison that is oxygen. Um, <laughs> basically, it's all it's all like methane based. Yeah, you know, silicon based like life, silicon, life forms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. So, you know, basically- And so when, then when that makes sense change- that, yes, they changed this planet into- They terraformed an it into an yep. oxygen atmosphere that, yes, it essentially killed almost everyone yeah. on the planet. But, yeah, because they lived underground, these they thought it was uninhabited, uh, yeah. essentially. So, it's just a- it- it's a mistake, but it's like a. It a, is a mistake, mistake but a it's a level. yeah. It's like a <laughs> fucking huge mistake, and I these huge ramifications that kill billions of creatures. So yes, now essentially the the like remaining dredge are hunting down what they consider to be to I be mean, you know literally is true. Like yeah, these people who wiped out their race now. Could you get to the point where they find out that it's just this this young boy and this young girl, and they and they unwittingly, you know, they made a mistake and all this sort of stuff, and and they sort of I think I think work something out. Well, I think I do think you end it with the dredge sparing them. Yeah, I don't think it's a happy ending. <laughs> I don't no. think there's any possibility for a happy ending. I think it's that the siblings realize what they've done. They're like obviously racked with guilt, and maybe just like dedicate themselves to. Well, maybe maybe the helping them now, you know, sort of sort of um, find them a new planet. Well, what I'm thinking is, you know, they find this planet and it's and it's perfect, and they're about to set it off, and then they find out that there's another cave dwelling civilization. They stop. And the dredge find out that, you know, realise that, oh, they, they're they just looking for for a home sort of thing. Maybe. Or they find a planet that is perfect for humans. No terraforming needed. No terraforming needed. But instead, they terraform it for the dredge. For the dredge. They give up a home for humans. Yep. To create a new home for the dredge. Because they are also now homeless. Homeless, yeah, um, I, and I. Th- that, yeah. That's, a, that's actually really a really poignant ending. Yeah, know. and some level almost, of redemption. You can almost have you know? some some sort of choice depending on like how how you actually do it throughout the game. You know, you you're sort of going almost elite dangerous wise. You you're sort of flying through space and and yeah, maybe so checking I out was, these different planets and. I was going to bring up then how the actual gameplay works because I like the idea of it being VR. I like the idea mm-hmm. that you spend a lot of time in like the cockpit of a spaceship, yep. like sort of just a little runaround kind of deal, but it's got it's got light speed or whatever, just because this uniform, or, or, or maybe there's some sort of like um, mass mass effect style, you know, traveling between systems or something. 
Um, I'd, I'd love it if they come across like a mining ship, you know, sort of got um, a colony humans on board and, and they're, they're sort of, they make mention of, oh, you're the, you're the McIntyre cousins. Oh, you're, you're the McIntyre, you're the McIntyre's kids. Oh, you know, we don't, we don't want to have anything to do with you and they send them off and, and you know, they, they sort of get that's where you sort of realise that something's not quite right and they're, they're kind of well-known throughout all of humanity and all that sort of stuff. And there's... They're, yeah, they're seen I'm... As, as, like, you know, not not nice people. Well, and I think it's known that the dredge are after them. Yeah. As well. And so people don't want to associate with them because they're worried that, you know, if, if we've got the McIntyres along on our, you know, caravan between different systems or whatever, then the the chances that we'll get attacked by the dredge are tenfold. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking from a gameplay, gameplay point of view, like I said, it's very much mostly set in the cockpit of this ship where, you know, you'll have people hailing you and you have conversations and dialogue trees and stuff. You'll have dialogue between your sister and you who is like kind of wandering around the ship at different times. I think it's, can, it's can you fairly down, linear. Can you send down like... If you, if you need, you know, certain resources and that sort of stuff, can you send down, like, a lander to a planet and it goes and collects resources for you, or...? I mean, again, I think it depends on how systems-based we make this versus narrative and and what your sort of missions are, essentially. Like, if you're talking about it being mostly cockpit-based, are you having, like... Is there, like, fucking dogfighting and stuff? Is this, like, a TIE fighter situation where, you know, you've got... Or I, and I feel like no, actually, that was just something yeah. I was bringing up. I was th- I was just thinking about Space Quest Three there, and I'm going, yeah, it just didn't fit in there. Um, so, <laughs> well, know, I'm just trying to figure out what the end. what the challenge is then, because like, otherwise, we're essentially like, where's the gameplay? Otherwise, like, I think so far this would make a really cool VR story, visual novel sort of thing, visual novel, interactive, interactive story. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe that's I, all I, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I do like the idea of there being, you know, a lot more interactions with with colonies of humans along the way and, and all that sort of stuff. And you basically, when you realise that the second that they find out that you're the McIntyres, they don't want to, they don't want to talk to you at all or anything like that. Mm. They, they sort of shun you away from them. But if you can, if you can come in there and say, oh yeah, we're, we're just the Smiths. And, you know, you get away with it sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it would come down to the writing as to how well that would work. But, yeah, that, that's true, actually. I could just see this as an interesting, essentially VR visual novel where you've got some some dialogue and exposition that goes between you and your sister. You can still do VR stuff. Like, you still have some stuff in there. Like, you can fucking throw shit around and... <laughs> yeah, having to having to repair something on, on the ship, you know, like... Oh, yeah, or even um, just navigation and stuff. You're actually... You're hitting buttons on the cockpit. You're, like, yep. grabbing... You go down to the thrust. core and you gotta you got to take out the old core and put the new one in and... Repair the cores, <laughs> balance them, yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be cool. Just, just essentially sort of little VR interactions they're almost not even game game elements uh yeah. but just to just have something to do and to drive the story forward in different ways and then yeah you just find out this history and and how the characters react yeah i, I kind of like the idea that if the if the dredge do actually come along 
while you're while you're docked to to this mining um, station or something mm-hmm. like that, then you've got to you've got to try and hide while while you know conversations are going on, and you know you've got to try and you know keep your face covered or something like that so that they don't see who you are. And yeah, you could throw in essentially different little mini games, almost of just for that little section. And that's how you sort of find out the next part of the story, you know. Yeah, that's cool. But just yeah, the idea of having having different aliens that you you're sort of conversing with as well as other humans. Well, that's it. I think then you're essentially creating a vehicle for the lore of this, you know, universe, the history of these siblings, and and pushing this narrative forward of them finding some level of of, of well, for one, finding out what they did, realizing what they did, and then finding some level of redemption at the end. Um, yeah, and and maybe when when you actually find out all this stuff, you've got that that sort of choice at the end that you can you can uh, convert the virus into into you know doing something good for the dredge, or you can basically create a home for humans and, and yeah. create a create a home for humans and and realize that hang on you've you've met all these humans throughout the game, but you've barely met any dredge. Like basically, there's just one. Ca- one convoy of dredge that are that are left. Well, maybe I don't think you want to give the player that much reason to go one way or the other. I think I think there's a similar amount of dredge versus human out there, and maybe you haven't come across the dredge because they are a bit more secretive and they've kind of been like, you know, hiding out or they've got a maybe they're a bit like the um, what's in Mass Effect? What's Tali's? Is it Tali's? Tal- uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, like. Where they're essentially a nomad, nomadic convoy of of this whole this huge fleet that's just travelling around, uh, because they've been displaced. And look, there's some very interesting stuff there around uh, refugee, you know, politics around refugees and how they're handled, and both from the human side in this situation and the dredge side. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cool cool writing that could happen there and be told in that format. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, there you go. That's Titan AE retold. It's a VR story experience with extremely dark undertones. <laughs> yeah, jeez, that's that's deep. That fucking twelve-year-old girl killed a almost an entire a civilization. Race. <laughs> Genocide. Her name's Jenny. Jenny side. <laughs> Jenny McIntyre. Jenny McIntyre, but she committed genocide. Well, no, mate, the dredge now want to commit genocide because of the genocide. <laughs> the Jenny decided. But yeah, I just, I, I do love that, that idea that she's, you know, this uh, biological genius, you know, she can. Yeah. Well, and just, I think that creates fantastic drama that a 12 year old accidentally wiped out an entire race of creatures. Like, <laughs> Like, that's wild. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of liking the idea that um, you, uh, whatever your character's name is, are the one that actually hit the button. You know, she basically mm. she was saying like they they do they do a jump back in time, and she's saying oh, I need to do more testing. I need to do more testing. We need to we need to probe the planet to make sure that there's no other life. And he goes nah, bang, and just yeah, hits the no, button. That's fine. Yeah, just do it. There's no one here. Look, it's desolate. Yeah. yeah. There's no signs of life. 
I love that. All right. Well, this was a extra long episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. But thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. That was episode two zero zero two hundred. We've done we've done a lot of game designs in that time. So for those who and we've forgotten most of them, as we couldn't even remember the first ones that we ever did. As we have demonstrated. <laughs> but you know what? That just shows we'll never fucking run out. Uh, we're just That's actually what we're going to do from now on. Next next episode, we will go to episode two and redo the click pictures <laughs> from that one. Blind reflection, because that's the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just one. If you want to find all those previous 199 episodes, plus a few little extras here and there, online, if you somehow stumbled across episode 200, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. All of the episodes are there. Uh, You can also just go through and and check out our creator profiles and see what other shows we have guested on over the years. We're also part of the 8-Bit Collective. (laughs) Yeah, we've done a few. We're also part of the 8-Bit Collective, and this is a group of podcasters talking about pop culture and video games and all sorts of stuff go and check out 8bit.net have a look at some of the great shows there do you like podcasts do you like australia do you like gaming therefore if you said yes to all or some of those those questions check out the australasian gaming podcast network on facebook or at agp network on twitter and finally, we'd like to thank Curadust for the use of the song Mount Defiance of the album Containment Failure for the past 200 episodes. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. There'll be a new episode next week. As usual, I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And watch out, I'm a saw blade coming through. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Red Hill Zone, damn it. I cut your arm off. <laughs> sorry about your arm. It's okay, didn't need it anymore.